Even sounds biblical, doesn't it now? It's like, just, just saying. I was watching your worship, um, and I just saw like this wave of the Father's love that kept washing over you. And I love coming into a new church because I don't know anybody, apart from your senior pastors. So I said this to Sam, I said, prophesy, young man. I said, it's either God or it's crap. There's no in-between. So it's really good. So Bethany, I saw this wave of the Father's love just washing over you. And you have this beautiful softness about your spirit. And it's come out of your past where there's been brokenness and pain. And um, I just saw the Father's love just washing over you. And I just want to encourage you with this. The brokenness and pain does not define you. It actually helps you become who God calls you to be. And out of that brokenness and pain comes this softness and beauty of spirit and heart that even came out when you prayed or began to speak on God's behalf. Okay, can I just encourage you for this moment? Just keep letting the Father's love wash over you. He'll deal with the brokenness. You don't need to focus on that. If you focus on his love, God's going to pour out so much of his presence out of your life, which is your desire. You're going to be amazed. He's just, he just wants to bless you. He's a loving father. And what you've come out of does not define you. His love defines you. Yeah. Don't you love it when God speaks to people? So I was praying this morning and I couldn't sleep. And God said, there's someone in this congregation today who it's nearly like has night torments. You struggle to sleep. You know, you'll start to sleep and... You know, even fearful to go to sleep for night time. Who is that person? All right, beautiful. So I wrote down this scripture because God told me to, to encourage you. What ought I do with it? There it is, somewhere. Psalm 4 verse 8 says this. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone make me dwell in safety. And God wants you to sleep without torment. God wants you to sleep in peace. God wants you to sleep in his rest. Can I pray for you? Okay. What's your name? Betty. Betty. It's close to Bethany, isn't it? All right. Father, I pray for Betty right now. As I lay hands upon her, I thank you that your word has already begun a new thing. Why? Because we've spoken it out and it cannot return void, but it can only accomplish that which it's sent out to perform. And right now as I lay hands on her, I pray, Holy Spirit, come, rest afresh upon her. Let there be a tangible manifestation right now of your presence upon her. Let her feel you. Tonight, God, as she lays her head on the pillow, let her sleep in peace. Free from torment in Jesus' name. I pray that you would allow this to be such an incredible transformation, a testimony of your grace and your goodness and your power that she won't be able to help herself, but she'll share it. I pray all fear be gone, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Don't you love it when God just starts to get your attention? I hope you're ready. You ready for something good? Because God is good. I know him. I don't know about you, but he's really good. (laughs) 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. What's your name? Charles. It's not like Bethany or Betty, is it? It's definitely a manly name. Charles. I turned around in the middle of worship. Actually, no, it wasn't. It was when we were praying for Daryl. I've gone, hmm, Charles. Here's what God wants to encourage you with this morning. It's by grace that you have been saved. Not by any works that you can do in your own strength. It's a beautiful place of vulnerability, realizing that we can't do anything about our salvation because God has done it all. And what I feel God wants to say to you is this, that, that Jesus has extended to you perfect love. Um, and I'll just put it simply this way. If you are willing to focus on his love rather than where you feel like a failure all the time, God will bring you to a greater sense of freedom. You know, the sense of, of his uh, presence around your life will continue to increase and flourish. And God's got things that he's placed in your heart, desires that you want to you know, accomplish and achieve and see and do. Um, but it's really, really hard to, to do that when, you, when you're not focused on his love for you. And regardless of what happens in your life, he still loves you. He can't love you any less and he can't love you anymore. He's actually demonstrated his love for you. And, and, and this is what I want to labor on for you particularly today. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his love towards us, that even while we were still sinners, enemies towards God, hostile in our thinking towards him, even unbelieving or unfaithful, God demonstrated his love towards us by sending his son to die and take our place on the cross. No one else has done that for you. It's worth focusing on and realize that your failures and your feelings of the stuff that you're dealing with inside are nothing in comparison to what he's already demonstrated to you. Focus on the right thing. God's going to bring you to a great place of freedom. Yo, can I pray for you? Is that right? Can I feel like I'm at the cinema? <laughs> Pretty cool. All right. Father, I thank you for Charles. Thank you that his name's not Betty. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I pray that your love would so significantly impact him today. God, you'd take him into a whole another level and place of relationship with you. You love him so much. So much that you singled him out. So much, God, that you nailed him. I really appreciate that. Because, God, I know you've got great things for him. And so I speak those into his life today, that he would be so captured by your love for him, that it would significantly change him in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Jeez, bro. Yeah. All right. There's more. I tell you what, I'm going to speak, and then uh, we're going to take an opportunity at the end to pray for people and um, you know I know that God wants to release a whole whole bunch of things here today in this place 
It's good to be in the house of God. You excited? You expectant? I love technology when it works. All right. All right. Thank you, team. Awesome job. Well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, give me, give me a clap. They're great. Fantastic. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you want to deposit something within us today that is kingdom. That is your heart. And I pray that as we speak into the atmosphere of this church, this group of people that call Benella their home, Life Church. Why? Because it's full of life. It's full of your presence. And I pray that as I share this word today, prophetically, God, I speak it into being and that you'd bring a whole another connection, God, with the purpose, the vision, and the call to this group of people for this community and to the nations of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Are you excited to be here? You nearly sound as excited as me to be here, but not quite. But I'm a little bit like that. That's what happens with introverted personalities. We're a bit quiet. We're a bit reserved. You don't believe me for a second, do you? So I want to share a word that I believe is prophetic for this house today. Have you ever noticed that some of the most saddest, almost broken words in the English language start with a letter D? For example, disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, dregs. Despondency, depression, despair, decay, degradation, disgust, demoralized. Do you want to keep going? You're getting the point? Doom! Even death. And if you're real smart, maybe the devil. But not Damien. I'm just saying. Even though. And I want you to personalize that. I hope you're feeling encouraged already. It, it just fascinates me that as I went through the dictionary, I saw all these words, because I often do, it's my bedtime reading, I pull out a dictionary, I go, what can I learn tonight before I go to sleep? I actually don't, that's a lie. Um, all these D words. Woody Allen, a comedian, once said this, our civilization stands at the crossroads. Actually, you can put that up on the screen if you like. Greg, thanks. Down one road is despondency and despair, down the other road is total annihilation. I hope we take the right road. Wow! Didn't you come to church to hear this message? He was obviously trying to be funny, but his statement reflects the despair and the pessimism of our times in our societies today. But here's my question for you. I wonder if you've ever felt some of these words active in your life, because I know I have. And I believe in this time and this place for you as a church that God wants to lead you in a whole new direction, but, but there are certain D words that are, are being activated behind the scenes, maybe in individuals, maybe in groups, but God wants to bring freedom to his house. We all know the word of God. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But the reality is... Even though we are free, we are still people and we still have feelings. I don't know about you, but I have them. 
and sometimes they're just a right pain in the backside. Some of you are looking at me like, no. So I want to pull out some scripture out of Nehemiah because I believe prophetically that you guys are in a building process at the moment of what God is wanting to release and empower through this church into this community. And I want to learn what it is that God has for me as an individual and for us as a corporate body so that we can fulfill the call and the purpose of God. So let's have a look at Nehemiah. Uh, Chapter 4 is what I want to focus on, but chapter 2, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to start there. But let me just paint a scenario. Here's the situation of Nehemiah. He asks about how God's people and how God's community is doing. How is the state of Israel? And he hears this report that the walls are broken down, the people are scattered, and Israel has an identity crisis. It's a really bad situation for God's people. God's people's well-being is at stake. God's reputation is at stake. And Israel has been in exile, that is, they've been barred from their own country for 70 years. Can you picture this? The people are scattered and God's promises that are scattered through his word have not been fulfilled and Nehemiah asked the condition and that's the report. Ever had one of those reports? Well, just live long enough and you'll get one somewhere. Okay, it's okay, it's called life. What we do with it is more important than the situation. And so Nehemiah, here's the condition of God's uh, people. Here's the condition of the, the state of Jerusalem, Judea, uh, sorry, uh, Judah. And there's a passion that is stirred within his heart to rebuild the walls so that he can rebuild the reputation of God to the nations. So in Nehemiah chapter 2, Verse 8, the second part of it, it says this, and I'll put this up on the screen and you can go through these with me. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my requests. Everyone say the gracious hand of God. Who would like to have that testimony in their life? When I die, it'll happen one day, when I die, I want people to stand up on this platform not necessarily this one, but a platform, and say, the gracious hand of God was on him. We can see the gracious hand of God upon people, can't we? Okay? The gracious hand of God was upon me, and the king granted my request. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, it says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me, and they replied, let us start rebuilding, so that they began this good work. I'm painting a scenario here for you. Stay with me for a moment. And then again in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20, at the start it says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. So I want you to get this scenario. Bad report. And yet Nehemiah gathers the people together and he says, listen, the gracious hand of God is upon us. This is a good work and God will make us succeed. 
Have you ever had one of those moments in life and ministry where you felt that God has called you to do a good work where his gracious hand was upon you and you wanted to succeed so passionately more than you wanted to breathe? Ever had one of those moments? Well, I love Nehemiah chapter 4 because it comes right into where reality hits the road for us as people. I want to remind you the vision of this church is a good vision. I want to tell you and remind you today that the gracious hand of God is upon you. Now, I'm very, very honoured and very privileged. I, I travel around a lot of different churches, okay? And I, I have the privilege of sensing the atmospheres of the Spirit in a lot of different congregations. This is a good work. The gracious hand of God is upon you. And you know what? Your pastor, I guarantee, will get up and say, we will succeed at this. It really sounds familiar to me that this is your story being walked out at the moment. But let's get to chapter 4. I'm going to read it. Nehemiah chapter 4. Sorry, I should have... Put my paper there. I get excited when I start to prophesy. When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Why? Because it's a good work. The gracious hand of God was upon them. And yet here he was, greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from that heap of rubble, burned as they are? What an incredible start to chapter 4. Here we see Nehemiah stepping into the platform going, we've got a good work to do. There's a people who need restoration. There's a people who need reviving. You know what? There are people in this community who are dying without Christ. I love, Greg, what a great testimony. Man, you make my heart sing. When I hear of a church who sees a need, like helping a, a person who's dealing with a cancer treatment or whatever, and a church rises up and says, you know, in a week, here's a thousand bucks. Man, that takes pressure off people, and gee, it says a lot about your love. You're doing a good work. I just want to remind you. So we step into this work moment, and all of a sudden, a sand ballot steps up. What a dog. Just saying. But we're going to know what this is. Because it's not just a person who walks into our life. It's a spirit that works behind this. And that spirit is to discourage you, is to get you to quit what God has called you to do. The Spirit's overarching mission is to stop or hijack the plan of God's work, and it's a judgmental, mocking, and deceitful spirit. Have you ever stepped out in faith and decided that now is the time I share my relationship with Jesus with someone on a backfired big time? Can I see a show of hands? Come on, show of hands. There's only four of us who talked. To... Yep, excellent. All right, you know what I'm talking about. How did you feel? You felt like a sandballer had come in behind you with a baseball bat and whacked you around the head and you'll never do that again. 
Okay? But we're not called to be turtles. We don't pull our heads in. We stick it out further because that's called faith. You ever prayed for someone to be healed and they died? I have. It really wasn't encouraging. Just saying. How do I respond to that? Well, I'm a man of faith. I'm going to pray for the next person. And if they die, at least they're going to be safe and they'll go to glory. All right? It's always a win-win. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to stop praying because somebody didn't get healed. That's God's responsibility. My responsibility is, Damien, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick, pray a prayer of faith. That's my role. And what happens after that is God. And you know what? It takes more faith to pray the second time than it does the first time. It takes more faith to pray the third time than it does the second time. Just keep praying. I'm not sure why I'm sharing that with someone. So let's have a look at this sin ballot spirit because right now there's a sense, and I know this is a very, very specific message for this church. Okay? So let's watch out for this. Let's look at the first slide. Did you know the Sam Ballot spirit, obviously, in this moment, ridicules in the company of others because it's not strong enough to stand on its own? It always gathers others because it's a wimp. Feels strong. I'll tear you down when I've got other people who will back me to make sure that I can do that, but I won't do it face to face. It's a coward spirit, it's a weak spirit, it's a deceitful spirit. But you know what? It's smart enough to gather others around it so it can begin to ridicule. I remember being in high school years ago now, you know, like last year. I get it all the time. Damien, are you just 17? I know. Just had a hair follicle challenge at a young age, that's all right. I remember being in high school. And God challenged me one day at a youth meeting and said, Damien, I want you to start a prayer meeting of a lunchtime on a Wednesday. And I've gone, cool, that sounds great. Vision, it's a good thing. There are people who need Jesus. I'll get to preach to people. I'll get to pray for people. We'll pray for our school. We'll pray for our staff. I got really excited. Went to the headmaster and said, hey, um, you know, this is what I really want to do. I'm just wondering whether we can get a classroom. I want to just start a, just a midweek prayer meeting. You know, is that okay? 15, mm, not a good way to get discouraged. But no! It was terrible. So the headmaster was very, very um, forthright. And so I just went, okay, God, what's going on here? You asked me to do this. I've done the right thing. I've been respectful. I've done it with integrity. I've asked to start this thing, and I've hit this brick wall. And straight away, I started feeling discouraged. Would well, you even hear from God? Maybe that was just me, you know, having an extra pizza moment. Um, so I started sharing it with this idea with a few friends and all of a sudden they started saying, oh, well, you know, you can't do it anyway. If the headmaster said, no, you can't do it, and I'm just going, oh, 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 lower and lower and lower. Next thing you know, the headmaster moves. Three weeks after I'd asked him, well, they going to have a prayer meeting. I didn't pray that he would leave. I don't know the circumstance. I was too young to even care. And the new headmaster comes in and I said, Oh, hi, I'm Damien. I'd like to start a prayer meeting for the students on a Wednesday. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Damien. Boom, shaka! All right. And all of a sudden, what was so discouraging and what was so um, disempowering to me as a young man who just wanted to take a step of faith, all of a sudden became a reality. First prayer meeting. 
We had five people, most of them from my youth ministry. Going, yeah, we're going to take the world. I mean, we're praying. I mean, it was just crazy. About uh, four or five weeks into it, we had about ten people. We're just going, this thing is building. We are on fire. We're going to change the world right here from this school classroom on a Wednesday lunchtime. About three months later, there was two of us. We were still changing the world. I don't know whether you remember when Rodney Howe Brown, um, his ministry started and there was a real sense of joy that came back in the house of God. Well, this is before Rodney Howe Brown released this stuff. God was already doing stuff and he's, there's nothing new under the sun. He's done it centuries ago and he'll continue to do it even today. I was praying with a friend of mine and we are getting real serious and I said, God, I've got to get more radical. So I started jumping off tables and chairs because that's just what I do. God, I want to see this place saved. I get cheer myself up. And then one day we went in this prayer meeting, and there's three of us, and there's just this real sense, a tangible, thick sense of the presence of God. And I said to the guys, I said, can you feel that? It's just incredible. And we just started to pray for one another. Just started to pray quietly. Laid hands on one another, just three of us in a circle. And the presence of God was so tangible. And these two guys just fell on the floor. So I just keep praying. Siren goes at the end of lunchtime. These guys are still on the floor. I'm going, whoops. (laughs) Teacher comes in for the next class. There's two guys laid out on the floor. I mean, they're laid out on the floor. I mean, there's nothing you could do. And they were like dead weight. God, you've killed them. <laughs> they lay down the floor. I'm just going. <laughs> just three of us want to change the world. <laughs> What's happened here, Damien? Well, we're just having a prayer meeting, and just God just showed up, and I don't know. They're just on the floor. They've been like that for half an hour. What? What do you mean, God showed up and they've been on the floor for half an hour? Well, we were just praying and Well get them up. I can't. They they're like are they unconscious? No, they're not unconscious. They're, yeah, they're real they're just Have you ever tried to explain this stuff to people who who just An hour and a half later, when multiple teachers have come in to make sure everything is okay including the principal, who's just new. <laughs> I'm going... Uh, can I tell you, God does the most incredible things when we're willing to step out. And I could have quite easily been hijacked with discouragement, disillusionment. I'll tell you what happened, because you want to know, don't you? I'm not going to leave you hanging. Around about two months later... And we had about 50 people jammed into that classroom. We had to get a bigger classroom. Um, we had an incredible move of God that, that just saw uh, Riverside High School, which is where I went to in Launceston, Tasmania, really have a shake-up. And God just began to move, and there were some incredible youth ministries that were birthed out of that, and some great men and women of God who, who have gone out now. And Some are leading churches, and some are still leading youth ministries it's just me, just anyway. Um, 
And I, I just want you to know this. Not every story ends like that. I don't want to set you up for a fall. Not every story ends like that, but I tell you what, God is always faithful. And, and, and we saw some incredible things happen like that. And I don't want you to have a sin ballot spirit come and hijack the call and the purpose of God that is placed upon your life individually and corporately. So ridicule, I'm not sure why I got onto that story when I was talking about ridicule in the company of others. But, but here's the deal. Oh, that's what I was doing in high school. And so I was always ridiculed. Uh, I was always a leader. I always step up and I always do things differently because I hate the norm. Norm's boring. I don't know whether you've seen Norm. He used to be a part of the Aussie culture. He used to fat gut, sit with his beer on a couch. That's Norm. He's boring, all right? I don't, I don't like Norm. I want to do things differently because I want to experience everything that life has for me. I get to live it once. I want to get everything I possibly can. And I know that God wants us to live at a higher level of experience. He's created us for that. Okay? And so I would always get ridiculed. Oh, so you're the Christian. You know? Yes, I am. What do you believe in God for? You know? I mean, you're always going to get that. People are always going to question why you do that. All right? And so you've got to be willing to step into that place and realize that Sin Ballot will always try and bring people alongside and say, no, 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 boogie. Look at you. You know? You're different. You know? You believe in God or they'll try and bring you down. And I just roll with it. Yes, I do believe. Why do you believe in God? You know, you're a God bother. Absolutely. And now I'm going to bother him about you, so I'll pray for you first. Just roll with them. Don't get offended. Don't get disillusioned. Realize that they're just seeing something different in you. It's a positive thing. If they can't see anything different in you, you're in trouble. Don't worry about the ridicule. I need to keep moving. Next slide. The next thing that Sam Ballot Spirit does. I love it. Apart from the ridicule, he says, um, and the army um, said, what are those feeble Jews doing? What are you doing? That's the question. Oh my goodness, you want to change Benalla? You want to build a church in the community, in a country that's, that's significant? Like, what are you doing? It's that question that, that, that really attacks the cause of what you're doing. Why would you allow a spirit that attacks the cause of Christ when you know, when you read his his word, that Jesus went from town to town, village to village, preaching the kingdom, and people got saved, people got healed, people got delivered. It's the same cause. Don't let anybody question the cause. Then he goes on and he says, will you accomplish it? I love it. This is so simple for us to get. Will they restore their wall? Will you really fulfill this call? Will you really fulfill this vision that you placed upon your pastor's lives? Well, God says, well, the word of God says, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, God arranges the body as he wills. God has brought you here. You have a place, you have a purpose here. That's why you're here. Okay? To fulfill his purpose. Will you accomplish the purpose? That Sam Ballot spirit questions your ability. It questions your resource. It questions your gift. Well, do we have enough musicians? Well, if we don't have this. I mean, we never got enough musicians. Do we have enough elders? Well, you never have enough elders. <laughs> do we have enough youth leaders? You're never going to have enough youth leaders. Or you get somebody like me. <laughs> um, you're never going to have enough kids workers. Let me just speak this out for you clearly. As you grow, you need more people to step up. You're always going to be in lack when you've got a progressive vision. 
But you go back to the purpose. Will you accomplish this? Well, it's a God cause. His gracious hand is upon us. We will succeed. That's what Nehemiah believed in. Step into those things. Do what it takes to accomplish the cause. Then he goes on and he questions this. I love this one. You'll, you'll have heard this before. Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble burned as they are? I mean, is this even a God thing? It's a good question. It's a question to your motive. I don't know about you, but there are times as a senior pastor where I have to stop and reflect, is this something that is driving me or is this something that is a motive from the heart of God? It's a really good question, by the way. It's not necessarily negative. But don't ever second guess what God has called you to do in that moment. All right? Because that's what the devil does. That's what we do to ourselves. What about this? Will you finish what you started? It questions our heart and our character. You know what? It takes hard work to rebuild a wall in 52 days. Wow. Have you ever tried to build a significant church in 52 days? I've not. No plan to. (laughs) I don't think your senior pastors have either. But when you're trying to build something for significance for the next 52 years, it's going to take hard work because God is generational. What's happening right now is not just for you to enjoy now, it's for your teenagers and your kids as they would come through for the next generation. See, see we, we so think now. And Nehemiah was not just thinking now. He knew that the reputation of God for the generations to come to fulfill all of the promises. See, your senior pastors won't see all necessarily of the plans and the purpose that God has placed in their heart fulfilled. But the next generation will, and the next generation will, and the next generation will. Do you have what it takes? I love this one. Questions even if it's possible. Is it possible, Darrell? I mean, because I read my Bible and he says that all things are possible with him. And we've got to remind ourselves all the time that when you step into a good thing, a, a gracious hand of God thing, that you will come against opposition. Now, I want to say this to you. There will always be opposition to the calling of God. Always. So when you're ready to step up, you will come across opposition. Why? I mean, because it would be so easy if God made it easy for us, wouldn't it? But here's what I've learned. If we don't come up against opposition when we're trying to fulfill the call of God, it simply means that we can do it in our own strength and therefore we no longer need to trust in him. I don't want to build anything in my own strength because I know if I do it's just going to fall. But if I know it's a God thing and I come up against opposition and I push through that and I succeed in building what God has placed in my spirit, it's going to be a generational thing. So, get all that stuff aside because I've got to... Wow. How do you finish what God has called you to do? That's what I really want to know. I'm aware of the opposition. You're aware of the opposition. Yeah. So how do we fulfill this? How do we fulfill the plan, the purposes, and the call of God upon our lives? Well, the first thing is this. They kept working. Verse 6. I love this. 
So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So even though they'd come across opposition, discouragement, disappointment, even disillusionment, they kept working. Whatever your hand finds to do, that's what Colossians 3.23 says, work at it with all of your heart as I'm to working for God. What are you doing right now? Is it just serving tea and coffee? Well, don't tell me it's just serving tea and coffee. It is serving tea and coffee. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I'm just a kid's worker. Baby, you are not just a kid's worker. You are a minister to the next generation of leaders who are rising. I, I just clean up after everybody else makes a mess. You don't just clean up. You're gracious enough in spirit to realize that people are messy and you're willing to serve them by cleaning up their mess. It's nearly called being a mother. <laughs> For all the mums out there. It's a spirit. You're not just anything when you love God and serve God. You have to love God and serve God by loving people and serving people. You're not just anything. You are something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Work at it. If you're feeling discouraged, work with a good spirit. You with me? How do we do this? I want to fulfill the call of God. Can I tell you, leaving the senior pastor's role because God's asked us to, moving to a whole other state, not knowing why we are there and still not knowing why we're there and now being a youth pastor, I'm not just a youth pastor. I am a youth pastor. I am working to fulfill the call and the purpose of God upon my life. Somebody said to me, oh, do you feel like you've sort of taken a, a pay cut coming down to youth ministry? I've got no, baby. You should be in youth ministry. It rocks. Anyway, let's not go there. It's true, isn't it, Sam? Like you'd be a little bit more energetic than that. Do you want to jump off the stage? See, this is what I love about youth. It wasn't a suggestion, but now you've moved. Everyone's expecting you to, so you better do it. This is Sam. You've got 30 seconds to tell them how good God is and what he's doing. That's five seconds gone. Five seconds. He's good. I don't know. Why is he good? You've got to look. I've got to look. Why is he good? Gee whiz. 23 seconds. I wasn't. Because he uses every single one of our paths in life as a testimony just to glorify him in the end of it. And so that's... And what do you love about what God is doing in your life like? What I love is that as a product of my past and what's happening in my past, he is using that. And the prophetic word that you actually spoke over, Bethany, really did also speak there. You were. Really spoke to me as well because it really just reinforced that revelation that God will use past experiences in your life, be they positive or negative, and he will use that to mould and stir in your heart a new new path and new destination for you. So yeah. What have you stepped into spiritually this year that excites you? Oh man. Um, 
it's kind of funny actually because in the middle of year 12 I should be really fatigued I should be kind of dragging my feet a bit kind of but it's a recharge the ministry and because if it's for God like what you're speak if it's a call of God on your life God will give you what you need to fulfill it he's not gonna be like all right you're doing your HSC but now you gotta go and do this he's gives you every single thing you need in order for you to fulfill the work and so even when I'm knackered from school and I step into church and I know that I'm going to be doing God's work I'll start feeling more energetic and I'll feel called and I'll feel pushed and I won't feel tired anymore surprising I may be a bit might need a nap afterwards but in the midst of that and like stepping out and worshiping praying for kids sowing into them discipling you really just kind of just the revelation that's been on my heart is that it's not it's obviously good to make sure you're alright but it's not about how I'm feeling it's about whether or not I'm fulfilling the call of God on my life and whether or not I'm fulfilling the will of God on my life and what I really want to encourage you Pastor Darrell is just this strong heart that's been I met you an hour ago or something but there's such a cultivated strength in your heart that I really want to encourage you with that beside from whatever's happened and the weight that's been on put on your shoulders and it's that you've got such a childlike faith that God's just going to lift you back up out of those situations and he's just going to there's just going to be such a testimony out of your circumstance it's going to be such an amazing testimony and it's just going to glorify God so much because it's going to be such a healing in you Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. Well, it was more than 30 seconds. I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> evidently year 12 hasn't taught him to count. But, uh, you can see why I love him. One of the great things that I'm so proud uh, as a leader is that Sam has been prophetically stepping out more and more in all areas of ministry, and, and we're going to take an opportunity a little bit later on to pray for, for those who want prayer. And I've invited Sam not, not to... Um, not to throw him up here necessarily, but, but I want you to hear him because I know that when it comes to ministry, he'll start to pray over you and even prophesy over you uh, the word of God. What else did they do? They worked. Second thing, verse 9. But we prayed. Who reckons that's a good thing, dude? Um, Nehemiah prayed. And I believe that we need to pray earnestly for God's intervention in the things of men. Absolutely. There are many examples. One that I love more than anything is James. Elijah was a man like us who prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for three years. Could you think and imagine that for a moment? Then he prays again. I mean, like that was good enough. I mean, I'm impressed, Elijah. You got faith, dude. And then he prays again, it rains. But he was a man just like you and I. When we hit those moments of opposition and we know that God has got a good and gracious work upon our lives, we have to keep working and we have to keep praying. Prayer, can I just say in this instance, is simply just inviting the presence of God into a moment to work with us because we are called co-laborers. God chooses to use us. Sam and I were having this conversation in the car on the way over. God chooses to labor with us. He yokes with us to fulfill a task. That's you. And me. How do we fulfill this work? We keep working. We pray. The second thing, in verse 14, uh, the third thing, sorry, in verse 14, 
says this, and after I looked things over, I stood up, said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, listen to it, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers. Can I just say this, the greatest thing that we can do at any moment where we are beginning to doubt is remember how great and how awesome our God is. We are so blessed that we have God's word so that we can be remembered. Reality is, a lot of us in that moment try and isolate ourselves and we don't remember. But we've got to keep working. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep remembering because we will come across opposition. Remember how good God is. Remember when he answered that prayer. Remember when he spoke prophetically over your life. Remember when people gathered around you and prayed for you and encouraged you. Remember that every gift that you have is from God above anyway. The fourth thing that I simply want to leave with you as a church right now is in verse 20. It says this, Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Amen. <laughs> I want to put a different inflection on this statement for us today in this place. Pastor Darrell, I want you to hear this. Keep the hope of fulfillment. Keep the hope of fulfillment. Our God will fight for us. I'm hoping that God comes through. If I lose that hope, I've got nothing left. Except my own feeble strength, which is nothing. Keep the hope of fulfillment alive. See, human hope is so fragile. It can be shattered so easily. It can wither you know what? And it's so hard to revive. But I love God's word. I'll get to that in just a moment. Do you know, look around your community right now. Look around the family that you've just helped as a work colleague dealing with cancer. You say the word and all of a sudden all hope seems to wither and die. Are you serious? My Bible says that Jesus took upon himself all of our sicknesses and our diseases. I call that keeping hope alive. We've got a world who needs the church to flame, uh, to flame into hope for them. They need to know that there's a church that actually believes in God's word, that can stand on those prophetic words. Our community needs it. Can you imagine with me for a moment? Jesus lands on planet earth today. Says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one sent by God, I'm going to rescue you from your sin. Three years we hang out with him. We see him do incredible miracles. Demons are cast out of people. You know what? He ruined every funeral he ever went to. Just raise him from the dead. Oh, by the way, the kingdom of heaven com completely destroys death. Um, just sort of let you know that. Oh, and the demons that, yeah, well, they're gone now because we've got all power over any evil spirit. I mean, you think about it for a moment, what impact that would have on you. And then all of a sudden, he's nailed to a cross and he's dead. Tell me what you think is going to happen to your hope. 
going to pretty well wither and diminish. And that's what happened to the disciples. They're hiding in the upper room. And I love the story in John where, where Cleopas and his friend, two disciples are walking along the Emmaus Road and Jesus just appears out of nowhere. That should have been a sign. Anyway, they might have been a bit thick. But anyway, appears out of nowhere. Jesus walking with them. And they said, oh, haven't you heard? Jesus, this person who's supposed to come and rescue us, supposed to be the Messiah, is crucified and died and buried. Can you imagine the despondency in their voices? And Jesus began to open the word to them. And he revealed himself to them. Can you imagine at that moment the hope that would rise to the point of where they'd look at each other and say, did our hearts not burn within us? We should have known it was him because hope was lifting. Here's what God's word says in Psalm 25 verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 31 verse 24, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 42 verse 5, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I know you want more. Psalm 62 verse 5, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Proverbs 13 verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Matthew 12, 21. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Romans 4, 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. And Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why this word is so significant to you as a church, but I know this one thing. Put your hope in God. He will not disappoint. I don't know where you are personally in your life right now. I'm not sure even of your relationship with God and how you are connected with God, but I do know one thing. He is faithful. And sometimes when we get to that point of end, we lose all hope. And we lose all confidence. We just need to hear a good message that reminds us that he is the God of hope. He is the God of hope. Without hope, there is no purpose. Without hope, there is no purpose. I'm not talking about an empty hope, like I hope Santa brings me a bike for Christmas. It's childlike. What I'm talking about is this. I hope in God. I trust in God. I rest in God. I sense in God a purpose to work. And I want to encourage you as a church, the gracious hand of God is upon you. You're doing a good work. You will succeed. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Can you stand with me right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Sir, what's your name? I know you're yawning right now. I just didn't want to to call that out to everybody, but that was really funny. Sorry. Daryl! Another Daryl! Sorry I caught you yawning. That was really funny. Daryl, I want to encourage you. Proverbs 8.35, I think it is. Proverbs 8.35. says, Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. I want to speak that over your life. I want to encourage you to seek more. I get a sense just in my own heart, just as I'm sharing with you, you know, there's more for you to encounter in God. And I want you to take that proverb and I want you to think about it, meditate over that. Because God, God really wants to prove himself to you. And, and I mean that deliberately, prove himself to you. Listen to it. He who finds me finds life and obtains favour. Okay? I want you to take that away. I hope it really encourages you. Seek him out. Yeah. Awesome. Good name too. Yeah. It's favoured, I know. Can you just lift your hands right now and I just want to pray for you as a church. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your beautiful presence. I thank you that you are here to minister. You are here to resurrect hope. You are here, Father, to, to allow and, and like a fire for, to, to burst forth in new flames, Father. Just, just a real passion and a desire, God, for, for the purpose and the call and the cause of Christ in this place. Individually, every single one of these people are here arranged and combined by you for such a time as this. They weren't born 2,000 years ago. They were born so they could be alive today so that you could arrange them in this body to fulfill a great cause and a great purpose. And I ask God that you would lift off right now the spirit of discouragement. And in this place, God, I pray, let the liberty of the Holy Spirit fill this place. I pray freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. I pray courage and I pray confidence. Right now, if you're sick in your body, I want you to place the hand, uh, a hand just upon that area that is sick. I cannot preach a message like this and not trust that God wants to do something significant and miraculous right now. If you can see someone around you, put a hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray together. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You see all things and know all things. Thank you that, again, we're reminded that you took upon your body our sicknesses and our diseases. It's a done work already. And in faith right now, in this atmosphere, Holy Spirit, release your power to heal. Lord, like a cloud that would come and rest upon us, a weightiness of your glory, God. I pray, let every person that is praying for a miracle, for healing right now, sense the tangible power of your Spirit. Jesus felt power go out of him as those who were sick touched his body. Right now, just release your power to heal in Jesus' name, tangibly. Tangible, right across this auditorium. 
a moment for you and God. Speak it out right now. I am healed. I am healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shoot it to ship on the Rukubaba day. Kishi Lebabakushunkabama. Beshit Labamakubare. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just feel right now, just in this atmosphere, um, is there a couple here who, who are trying to have a, a baby and struggling with that? It's a real desire. Yeah? Can you guys come out here for me, please, straight away? Yeah. Oh, you are pregnant. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'll still pray for you. Come out here anyway. Is there is there a couple here who who are struggling? Like you want to have a child? Yeah. Remember, it's you guys that I'm sensing right now. Yeah, Sam, just come over here. Yeah. Is this a miracle? Is it? This is a miracle child. charge these guys with the responsibility to raise them up, to know you, to know your presence, and to fulfill everything, God, that you plan and purpose for me. In Jesus' name. See you when you go to church. Wonderful. What, what an incredible thing. You know, every baby is created in the image of God. Doesn't matter how it gets here, doesn't matter the circumstances that surround it. What matters is that as a church, the family of God, we call out the kingdom purpose on every life. That's what matters. Awesome. So we're going to finish because I'm prattling on now. Can we Sorry. sing, what, what's a really nice song you want to sing? Maybe the last one we did. Yeah, the last one. Excellent. We're going to sing that together. But uh, if you want prayer today, uh, you know, maybe there's something really specific that God's placed on your heart. Maybe maybe you're dealing with some of this spiritual stuff in discouragement and, and, and whatever, yeah, disillusionment. We want to pray and we want to resurrect hope. Sam and I are going to 
look and, and, and hopefully there, there'll be some prophetic words that we get to speak over your life as well because you know what? Every single one of us are kids and we want to hear the Father's voice. And to me, that's so significant in this place. There's someone who's going to come forward in a minute. You need to hear the Father speak to you and he will. So I want to encourage you. All right? Um, I'm, do I hand over to you or I hand over to Greg? Or... I'll hand over to you. You're awesome. What a great job. Thank you, church. Bless you. Uh, come forward if you want prayer. Awesome. Let's give Damien a hand this morning. Awesome word. Are we going to sing? God, are you Lord? And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. service this morning. Yeah, isn't God so good? Come on, just give me some praise. Come down now. Just come down and just you can keep worshipping and be in God's presence. And I'm sure Pastor Damien can pray as well for you if you want prayer this morning. So please respond. And, and if you want to go and have a cuppa and just share, share your heart with someone this morning and just share what God's been doing in your in your life this week. It'd be just fantastic. And we just love to having you here this morning and just have a great week, church. We love you. Thank you.